It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Welcome once again to another fine episode of Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. I am Ken Mills, and I am joined by the ever-wonderful BJ Cramp. BJ, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, today we are doing a roundtable discussion, and it is on the famous Cheap Trick album, One on One. I look forward to this. Why did you choose this album, BJ? Uh, well, it's definitely one of my favorite albums. I've been known to say it's my favorite Cheap Trick album, but... You know, that's hard to narrow it down to just one. But, um, and I think when we did the poll where, uh, the 1997 album won, um, on Facebook as the album that people wanted to see us, hear us do next, I think, uh, one on one was the runner up. So, very good, very good. Um, well, let's, uh, before we get into that, let's take a little, uh, glimpse into the Cheap Talk mailbag. And we have a couple things here. And, uh, let's check out this file we got from Kirk Randall. That's on the show. I wanted to know if you or BJ think Cheap Trick will ever put out a rockumentary of their career out on DVD, you know, like Rush did on Beyond the Light of the Stage. And I'm still waiting patiently for Heaven Tonight for you guys to talk about that album. I enjoy and look forward to every show. Rock on! So let's answer Kirk's question. Do you think that there will ever be a rockumentary similar to the Rush rockumentary bj what, what are your thoughts well beyond the latest stage was made by sam dunn um mm-hmm. and I, it wasn't rush's idea you know and sam dunn is currently finishing up a documentary about alice cooper um, right. sam dunn is the same guy who did metal headbangers journey and the metal evolution series on vh1 and yeah i you know that rush documentary is maybe the best music documentary i've ever seen it's just great and I would I absolutely love to see something similar done for Cheap Trick. I don't think, I doubt Sam Dunn necessarily would would do it. And, you know, if Cheap Trick undertook it themselves, probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have the same kind of perspective as the Sam Dunn one did. But um, obviously I'd love to see it, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. Well, I'm going to say it's it's going to be rough sales ahead for this idea because, sadly, with the state that the band is in right now with litigation and everything, uh, we may only see this once after everything's settled. And maybe then a proper uh, 
retrospective of their career could happen, but I don't think we're going to see it until that happens. Make sense? Yeah. PJ, please tell us about these other fellows that are here to discuss this fine album with us. Well, they're two of my oldest friends. Um, I've known both of them for... And they um, still hang out with you? Well, uh, Chris lives in Brooklyn, but yeah, <laughs> Dave lives about an hour away from me. Uh, Dave and Chris have known each other even longer than I've known either of them. Um, so we all go way back, and Chris Standish and Dave, Fistful of Dave, who listeners will know from the All Shook Up episode. Uh, uh-huh. So we're all old friends and huge Cheap Trick fans, and um, all of us really love this album. So it was it was fun to get together and, and talk about it. I don't think I was as good at um, shepherding the discussion as you are, Ken, but <laughs> I did my best, I guess. Well, you know, that if you think about it, so the first album came out in February of 77, One on One comes out in April of 82. It blows my mind to think that there's only five years in between the first album and One on One because it seems like so much longer to me just looking back on it. Um, five years, you know, at this point in my life doesn't seem like a long time at all. And to think that's the, that's the time period between their first album and this. Well, I think especially like, is it two? Is it a year or two years that they haven't released? It's two years they haven't released a record, right? Yeah, I, yeah. It's about a. I guess it's about a year and a half if you think so, from October of eighty to April of eighty-two. But and so that, but that would be because of the lawsuit. I mean the right. The lawsuit was about they wanted to the, they wanted to switch record labels. Cheap Trick were trying to find a new record deal and so cbs sued them saying they still owed them two albums yeah because they, they were uh, looking to get out of their record deal yeah and then there yeah it was a huge deal and then breach of contract and all this stuff but you also have uh uh peterson leaving and then getting p Comita in the band and all in that whole situation so new members and yeah, and I mean, that's the, the big mystery is why was P. Comedian in the band for such a short period of time? Um, and, you know, I, I have no idea. I have no idea why he left. He basically just did the All Shook Up tour. And, of course, he played on the heavy metal soundtrack. Um, I wonder when exactly those songs were recorded. I guess sometime in 81 or in 80, late 80 maybe. I'm not sure when exactly they recorded those songs. I well, and in the book, they said the label came to them to record Reach Out, not knowing Pete Kamita <laughs> wrote the song, because 
apparently wrote with a guy from Montrose that was in Montrose. Yeah, Bob and, James, uh, the guy. That's the guy basically who replaced Sammy Hagar. Yeah, and, and uh, I think he was in a band with Pete Comita. Yeah. Um, was that USSA? No, that was. Uh, no way. I yeah, that was later. I knew the name of the band they were in, but I can't remember. HSAS. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. They they do the the songs for the heavy metal soundtrack with Pete Comita, and that's when they hook up the, for the first time with Roy Thomas Baker because he's supervising the heavy metal soundtrack apparently. And, and that, they were looking to work with him too because Queen and the Cars had said that they should work Cheap Trick. He should be working with Cheap Trick or vice versa. So yeah, when you think about Cheap Trick working with Roy Thomas Baker, yeah, you think well, you know, he could take cheap trick and make them he could take them in the direction of queen i mean you've got robin zander you know who else, what you know what vocalist could you compare to somebody as great as freddie mercury than robin zander and so you would love to hear what roy thomas baker might have done with cheap trick if he was thinking about work about taking them in the direction of queen but you could well, also, you could also see roy thomas baker instead. what but he took him in the direction of the cars instead well, he didn't even really take him in the direction of the cars. That I mean, that but that would have been interesting too. And you know, yeah. uh, he had also worked with Journey, you know, right before this. And, and the funny thing is, the the very well, Alice Cooper is eighty. He worked with Alice he Cooper. He did flush 80. the fashion. Yeah, flush which, the fashion. But the very last record he produced before One on One was Oh No, It's Devo. So I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of different things Roy Thomas Baker could have right. done with Cheap Trick. But what he I mean, did, I feel, like, I feel like the feel of One on One actually sort of has a similar feel to like the first Cars album. Just sort of, just the the way, just the way the songs are so, just the way the songs are arranged and the way they're presented and the way they're just sort of all just one two punches of hooks and everything like that, and just sort of the the finishing of them. I think it sounds. I mean, if you're going to compare it to Roy Thomas Baker's work, it sounds more like the first Cars record than it sounds like any Queen record. I actually think it sounds like that. I think it sounds like Flush the Fashion. Okay. But well, but I Flush think the it, Fashion is kind of new wavy, though, isn't it? Yeah, but the, it's it. Is that this album that Clones is on? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's a lot. I'm just thinking is how because you read. You know, was reading in the book about. He was, you know, push the screaming and bombastic, and I think flush the fashion's a lot more like in your face. And the cars isn't, the cars aren't as in your face. I mean, obviously with the big, huge shotgun snare and drums, and that are huge, uh, it's kind of hard to get away from that the bombasticness. But I think it's, it has a lot of, it's a really uh, punchy record, song wise and and performance wise and the whole deal. Where the yeah. cars are kind of smoother, but I, I can see that. I mean this. Sound-wise, yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean they they have I mean they have a lot more synth sort of smoothing out their sound, but I think the delivery and the arrangements and the playing and everything is you know has that similar punch between those two albums. But uh, you know, but you've got kind of a pretty raw guitar sound, or yeah, absolutely, a pretty heavy. Absolutely. And then that's, and yeah and yeah, you have Robin Zander. Right, uh, getting, screaming the whole album or most of the album, which cheap trick, not the cars as the band, but I mean, 
Yeah. You sure. mean like the arrangements and the, just the really poppy songs, um, yeah, it's big kind choruses, of and plays the way it feels, stuff like that. You know, I was yeah. looking at uh, Roy Thomas Baker's discography, and one record he produced that really stood out to me was um, "Overnight Angels" by Ian Hunter, which is my favorite Ian Hunter solo album, and it's really heavy, over the top. Um, I mean, it's it's it really stands out in Ian Hunter's catalog, and I guess the reason is Roy Thomas Baker's production, which I hadn't really connected before. Um, mm. I've always really loved that record, and of course, that's the only Ian Hunter album that didn't come out in the United States, and it's his best. <laughs> like, mm. That seems like it's the way it goes a lot of the time, but uh, definitely Roy Thomas Baker on that record too just uh, went just took really heavy guitars and really like an aggressive sound and a lot go but there's a lot more going on on that ian hunter record the cheap trick record seems almost stripped down a lot of it yeah it is uh i mean it's like super compressed gated just punch it's all about just attitude and punchy but it's funny to think that roy thomas baker works with a singer like robin zander and he takes him in the direction he took him which is a lot of screaming and a lot of aggressive vocals and uh, yeah you know and i, I yeah, i'm just wondering if it's one of those things where uh, hey we want to get back to the first album kind of a thing because they had just done all shook up but i think that's interesting where you talk about the queen thing was all shook up would make sense in a queen kind of a way more orchestrated and and dream police and that whole thing to take like the next step with roy thomas baker but maybe the band was just we want to go back to the you know, a rocking hard record like the first one, and that's what you got out of it. Yeah, I think that was a good move for the for the cheap trick. I think if they, I wouldn't have want personally. I wouldn't have wanted to see them sort of go further on in that sort of like what they were doing and all shook up with uh, George Martin and the sort of crazy arrangements. You know, I like some of that stuff on there, but to to you know bring it back to like a just a straight up like kind of punchy power pop straight ahead album was works for me <laughs> yeah it definitely that works right up my alley so. definitely yeah same for me i i love one-on-one but if you look at career-wise was it the best record they could have made at that point as far as i mean they had already kind of failed to capitalize on budokan and dream police with all shook up and this was really kind of a make or break album for them mm. right but doesn't if you want my love doesn't it seem like just as easily that could have become a staple song that you still hear on the radio to this day. I mean, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it got some airplane MTV and stuff, but you couldn't really say it was a hit. And I mean, one-on-one did eventually go gold, but it took years, I think before it actually went gold, which is interesting. See, cause she's tight. Got the, just played all over MTV. Yeah. But, uh, and, and it was weird because I think I had Cheap Trick at this time had kind of escaped me because I was deep into my, uh, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal and, and, and all of that stuff going on. And you were busy with Manowar. <laughs> I'm probably more busy with Raven, but yeah, sure, <laughs> Manowar. Um, but then I heard that song and I'm like, oh, Cheap Trick did a heavy metal record, you know, and that's what it always gets referred to and now that kind of bothers me i'm like it's not really a heavy metal record it's just a it's a you know it's 
It's as heavy metal. It's not as even a heavy metal as the first Motley Crue, which is a another kind of power pop but heavy record. So yeah, to me, one on one, most of it is somewhere in between heavy metal and pop punk. And I mean, what band other than Cheap Trick could have pulled something like that off? You know, mm-hmm. well, they're the only band that pulls it off. Ever. Right. <laughs> That's I mean, yeah, it's uh... the Wild Hearts. <laughs> yeah, well, true. Let's true, not true, go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> no, no, I'm just. I'm just... <laughs> P. Commuta has, has left the band, and Rick Nielsen plays all the bass on the record. Except, but except um, for like three songs, right? Yeah, well, it's he played all the bass at first, and then it says in the book that John Brandt overdubbed over the, the first three songs on side two. So that's okay. what it says. So that's She's Tight, Time is Running, and, running and Saturday, Saturday at Midnight. But yeah. he overdubbed over Rick's parts that he had already recorded. Right, right. Cause, yeah, yeah. I, re- I recall reading that. And, you know, John Brandt, in the seventies, was in two different bands with Pete Comita. <laughs> so yeah, he was in the Thumbs and the Thumbs, and there was a band called Star Driver, I think that I've seen pictures of. And uh, but Pete Comita was the guitarist, was one of the right. guitar players in both yeah. of those bands, and John Brandt was the bassist in, in both. But it's pretty funny that you know those two guys had been in at least two bands together before Cheap Trick. Yeah, well, I think that was that whole, there's the whole, like, Chicago thing that was fairly incestuous, you know, there's the Thumbs and there's Off-Broadway, and though he all seemed to kind of, uh, Todd Hayworth, wasn't he in one of those bands? Todd Howard, yeah, Todd Howard, well, I think uh, he was in, I think, Valentino, supposedly, which Pete Comita was in, but not John Brandt, if, but I'm not okay. sure about that, um... I think that's the one that Todd Howarth was supposedly in. Yeah, we got to bring in the Kiss connection, you know, so <laughs> yeah. we have that covered. <laughs> Even though I think he played keyboards with him later, didn't he, on some stuff? Or Todd Howarth toured with Cheap Trick for a while as their keyboard player. Yeah. yeah. Like, woke up with a monster era he was yeah. with them. Yeah. So what do you guys think of the album title and the album cover? Um, I always liked it. Uh, you know, I, it, the, my favorite thing is that you can see the side of Bunny's head in the lower right-hand corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It, it it seemed to me to follow what Cheap Trick was. Uh, you know, kind of not that it was the two guys on front, two guys on back, but it had that kind of. You know, I think it fits with with their other album covers, except for maybe all shook up. But do you think do you think they're trying to hide the fact that they had a different bass player by obscuring half of John Brand's face? <laughs> yeah, the, half of his the, face is The book covered. insinuates it was done because he doesn't play on the whole record. But <laughs> I don't know if that's true. That's as much of the record as he plays on as yeah, so it's like his percentage. Well, and have you guys seen that picture where the I I don't know who's on which side but there's two guys on one side and two guys on the other and they look like they're kind of screaming in each other's faces. Yeah, that was the original. Yeah, cover. that was the original cover, and I guess the record label didn't like it. And it's really cool. It would have been a really cool cover, but I think the, I like I like the idea of them looking in the mirrors. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know about Robin's feathered hairstyle that he has. Hey, dude, <laughs> that is what I was going for in 1982. I had that hair. <laughs> I've seen those pictures. I I swear to God, it's like, dude, that dude's hot. Girls like him. If I have that hair, I'll be all good. So, and uh, uh, I Bunny's, I think Bunny's facial hair is asymmetrical. <laughs> but, it's uh, asymmetrical. Yeah. Uh, but and then if you pull out the inner sleeve, you've got Rick Nielsen wearing the "Don't Steal My Girlfriend" shirt, and right. they actually demoed that song 
for the record, um, the song that became Girlfriends and Woke Up With A Monster. And uh, I have like a poor quality demo of Don't Steal My Girlfriend, which we already played on an episode of the podcast, but it's pretty, that's, there were a bunch of different outtakes from this album, but that's one of the more interesting ones, and you could see it. or not, that's a strong sweater. Yeah, great. (laughs) And I, that sweater was at Rick's Picks, so pretty great. Um, they have to be the band. And they went to Rick's picks, and I didn't. Okay, this is good. <laughs> I went twice. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> I told you to go. I, yeah. <laughs> I told you it was worth the plane flight, the ticket. Um, yeah. I, I, Cheap Trick has got to be the band that demos the most songs and redoes the most songs. It's crazy, like, trying to figure out when things were even first brought up and parts of songs that are from whenever and... I find it really intriguing since that doesn't seem to be the case with most bands. So, I wonder if other bands did that, if they'd be as good. Well, I don't know. You have to have Rick Nielsen in your band, don't you, to write the songs? Yeah, and that other, yeah. But I mean, but maybe that's why he writes them so well. That could be. Maybe maybe someone should employ that process and see if they can come up with something as good as a cheap trick record. Or <laughs> half, as, half as I'd be happy with half as good. I would too. Yeah, um, good luck. <laughs> All right. It's not as hard as it looks. <laughs> so, so the album opens with "I Want You," which uh, I think Rick Rick even admits um, he lifted a pretty substantial bit of the song from "When I'm Dancing I Ain't Fighting" by Slade. And I like I've said my favorite band ripping off my second favorite band. I can ro- I can roll with that, you know. <laughs> What do you think of I Want You? I Want You really kicks the album off. It's one of the go-to songs off this album for me. It's uh, really raw. It's a screamer. It's a howler. 
Uh, love the energy of it. It's just fantastic. Not much I can say bad about it. I always kind of thought this that song came off more sounding, when they say they sound like ACDC, that's one of the songs I think of. Because Rick likes to say them in AC. Like, do we sound like any other band? And they, he says ACDC a lot. And I'm like, I don't hear it, but whatever. Yeah, I don't hear it but, either. <laughs> but I think that's one of the songs that I could kind of get that feel from. So, It's a great song. You know, great up-tempo um, Robin, Xander. You know, what What can you say? <laughs> yeah, what, what, yeah. what do you think of the song, Rob, Chris? Robin rules that song. Yeah. I, it, it's a total, total fist pumper. It gets you going. I love that one. And it's a great opening song. It might have, maybe it would have made more sense if they opened with the title track, but, um, I mean, there's a lot of songs in this record that could have been the first song, and it would have been just fine, probably the majority of them, but uh, that one works. Yeah, I think if you want to appreciate Robin Zander and that song, uh, just sing along with it. See see how you do (laughs) it. Yeah, try So up next is we've already, I've already mentioned the title track and uh, great riff, uh, amazing chorus, just a, an amazing song. One of the more I guess metal, heavy metal sounding songs on the record. I want you probably more closer to like pop punk or something. And uh, of course, one on one is the song that gave Mike Hayes' book "Reputation Is a Fragile Thing" its name. Mm-hmm. Um, great song. I don't know what the, I don't know what more to say about these these songs. They're just great. I love them. Yeah, I think this is actually. I think that how this going in, oh, I want you going into this song works really well. I think that's a a good combination, a nice punch in the face, and then something that's a little more, I mean, more of a kind of a stomper instead of a you know, firing right at you song. Um, but yeah, I, I have to agree. It's a great, great song. So Ken, what do you think of the title track? Well, uh, I think it it works. It's it's a good one. I I love that little guitar riff at the very beginning. Uh, and it's good coming off of I Want You, and it's great leading into the next track. I think this is one of those great album starter things where it goes one, two, three, boom, and it, it's just fantastic. It, 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 it continues the energy of I Want You in a good way. All right, so the third song on the album we've already talked about a bit, If You Want My Love, the big ballad on the mm-hmm. record. Um, like like we said, should have been a hit. Should I mean... Yeah, it's this, weird. That, this could be a song that you still hear to this day on the radio. This could be a song everybody knows. Maybe everybody does. They don't even know it's Cheap Trick, but they know the song. It just seems like one of those songs, but it just didn't happen. And live when they play it, it's like one of the bigger songs that people are really into. And if you're talking about um, lifts, as we were talking about the Slade bit, there's the uh, While My Guitar Gently Beeps melody. Yeah, kind of an homage I guess more than a, if you if you will I guess yeah. it's, it's in there yeah
All right, Ken, what do you think of If You Want My Love? You can't get much better than this song. To me, this song is like a great uh, banana split or something, a great dessert, something you're really looking forward to. I still put this song on and just get taken away. It's not really new ground for the band. Uh, it's it's kind of like the same lushness that was found in um, off of Dream Police Voices. So it's similar in that, and I love all the little beetle hooks and stuff like that in it, and the little beetleisms. Any anytime Cheap Trick does beetleisms, it's thumbs up in my book. I think it was a great single, and I think the video did really well for him. All right, so next up after the big ballad, we get a song called "Ooh La La," which um, I love this song. It's just pure fun. Yeah. Um, and awesome. I, is that a sax? Is that a sax they've got going on under there, or? Some, kind some of other horn, yeah, some other brass. I'm not sure, but um, I like it a lot. I think that's a nice touch to the song. It, yeah, it I love almost, it. Almost makes the song for me, and we know how much I love horns, unless it's Rocket from the Crypt. So, actually, everyone probably doesn't know I don't like horns except for Rocket from the Crypt, but that is the case mm-hmm. for the most part. Well, I'll, we can... I'll, I'll take the horns on rocks off any day. <laughs> you know, the Stones, <laughs> XL Main Street. I love them on that's that. Good. That's um, good. I like horns, but. Less so, less so, like a saxophone. Yeah, well, that's here. That's what I was just going to make the disclaimer. The sax is usually where I'm. I'm drawing the line. So, is this the only cheap trick song with brass on it? I can't. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, that's funny because I was actually thinking of that when I was listening to it this afternoon, but I couldn't come up with anything. But I have. Possible. I have a demo of this song. Uh, that's that's pretty cool to hear. Ken, your thoughts on ooh la la la? It's <laughs> a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I I think it's really good. Again, this this first side of the album, it just it gels together, and the tracks all go in and out of one another. I think that the production is really cool on this track. Well, the whole album, but uh, I think that Roy Thomas Baker did a fantastic job, and. Uh, Again, it keeps that energy. It picks it back up after If You Want My Love, you know. So it's a good track. Uh, the verse, I just love the verse on this song. I love Robin's performance on this song. Um, it's so uh, how much do you think Roy Thomas Baker had to do with 
with the way Robin sings on this album, like on a song like this. I do. Yeah, think, I, do you think that I, was Roy Thomas Baker's prodding to get him to sing that way, or? I, I'm guessing. Uh, like I said, I think before that this was a whole. We need. We want to. You know, we want a rock album. Um, but then, in as as we keep referring to the book, that that Bunny was like doesn't like all the screaming on the record or his drum sound, but. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, we're he doesn't like know, all the phasers on the drums and all that. Yeah, and the, well, they're very super cars. That's what I was talking about. The, yeah, well, and they're gated and they're very they're loud. I mean, they're super loud in the mix. So everything everything is loud. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of compression and whatever going on in here, but um, I like the song a lot, even though it sounds like something that was the last thing written in the studio. Uh, even though you have the demo, but it sounds very. I don't know, maybe because of the title or something. Well, yeah, it's kind of a but... it's it's a great chorus, but it's kind of a throwaway chorus or right. kind of a. I was gonna write words for this, but what the hell, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but hey, it works. It works for me. I love the song. It works for me. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's one of their great songs, also. Yeah, and and, and you yeah. know, Xander. I, Xander's Xander's vocals on the on the on the verses. You're right. They're <laughs> just <laughs> again, again. Just, <laughs> Try to sing along, and and you'll 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 know what's going on. Yeah, he's, it's he's masterful. And then as over the top, you should attack, attack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And as over the top as Robin's vocals are on "Ooh La La," you get to the next song, looking out for number one, and uh, th- this is probably the most insa- one of the most insane performances Robin Zander's ever given. Yeah. I would think. I mean, and this is the heavy metal. This, I guess, yeah. is the most metal song on the record. Um, and I, I, I don't think I heard people talk about that about this album, and I never thought of it. And it just seems weird to call it metal, but you know, it's funny because it just it sounds like cheap. That's the same thing I have. That I was like, she's tight. And I guess more. I think the metal thing comes out of it is the guitars. The yeah, the guitar are, sounds it's just such such big guitar. Yeah, it's an and they're eighties metal guitar sounding. I mean, it sounds like a heavy metal pedal, or well, whatever. Looking out for number one is just a really crunchy, you know, sound, and just and, through the whole song, just really aggressive guitar sound, and you know, pretty riffy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, one on one is a very is a is a you know really cool riff. There's not a lot of of, of cheap trick songs with a similar kind of riff. To one on one, and then the looking out for number one, the it's just I don't know how to describe it. But it's just like a driving, almost heavy metal guitar, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and then Robin's vocals on this song are just over the top, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking out for Sometimes succeed Looking out for number Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah I got hot But never got You 
Ken, what do you think of looking out for number one? Robin sounds angry on this one. <laughs> uh, I, th I think that this is a great track. Um, it's not as good as the four that came before it lyrically, but uh, it, it's a it's a pretty cool track. There's again, I, I feel bad being so positive about an album, but you know, it's it's art is speculative, and you know, you just it's it's how it hits you, and I think it's just a great album. So it's it's going to be tough to run this one down. But so far, there's been no bad spots on the album for me. And looking out for number one, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite. It's funny because there's like five songs in this album that would compete for to be my favorite song on the record. I guess that's why I love it so much. Because I, that, you know. That would explain it. Yeah. It's hard for me to even say which one I like the most, but looking out for number one is absolutely amazing. You know, it would have yeah. to rank up there as one of my favorite Cheap Trick songs, as would several songs in this album, but. Yeah, I know. One, th uh, one. Th uh, this album starts off uh, amazing. There's, there's not a clunker. Yeah, the first side. The record. first side is yeah, amazing, and um, it's, it's all, all written by Rick except Robin gets a co-write on Ooh La La. So, <laughs> but otherwise, it's all Rick <laughs> Nielsen compositions here on the first side, and it's just unbelievable. And I, there's another thing with this record in '82, and I don't know if it just the sound because it's a modern sound, and this is. You know, all other records sounded like 70s records. Uh, if that was a turnoff, but this should have fit right in at the time with, with everything that was going on. But um, for whatever reason, maybe just uh, the core fans didn't like it or not. I don't know. That, But I heard She's Tight, and I'm like, wow, that's great. So I'm not quite so, sure. So what historically, it, this record was considered a disappointment, I guess? Yeah, this was a... Yeah. And this, then Next Position, Please, and... It was kind of like this downward thing, and then right. standing, standing on the edge brought him back, because uh, there was moderate uh, regional hits, I guess, for that. A few that got played, and then the doctor just, you know, threw that all out the window. So, well, they were coming off Budokan and then Dream Police. Doctor was disappointing commercially, critically for the fans, for everyone, in any in any way you could think of. But um, and, and I think the, the um, standing on the edge was already discussed, and since it just came up just now, I would like to make mention because uh, from what I understand from from that podcast, I know no one no one mentioned the bridge in Little Sister. <laughs> I just wanted to say that that's one of, one of the great great cheap trick moments. You you're a big uh, you're a big proponent of standing on the edge, Chris. I do love that record, yeah. I love it, too. I, I do, too. I just, uh, you always make a point of bringing that up. <laughs> mm, do I? Okay. You do. We talked to you fix standing on the I edge. accept that. And then the bridge comes up. Well, because that bridge <laughs> is probably why I ever bring that record up, even, because that thing, it's just a, it's just what a, what a, what a, what a piece of music that is, just that little bridge. It's just incredible. The vocal performance, the melody, the, the the little sound effects and the crazy percussion on it it's it it just it kind of freaks me out you you gotta you don't want to be around me when i'm here
All right, so flip the record over, and uh, first song on side two, was this the first single? It's the first thing I heard. No, it was the second single. So If You Want My Love was the first single? Yeah. I think so. But, she's, yeah, she's tied it's the second single. Um, what do you guys think of the video? I love she's the leg tight. kicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it is something of its time, I will say that. Yes, it is very dated. Yeah. Um, a, lot yeah. Of their, a lot of their videos are. They don't stand up very well. Great, Giant great, foam. great, great song. This is the song that has probably had the most longevity, probably the most popular with the the fans and uh, the casual fans. Um, they still play it on the radio in Milwaukee. I mean, you'll hear it, so. It definitely has been, is, well, both this and If You Want My Love, I, I guess, have all have remained pretty constant in the set list. Mm-hmm. Um, So how do you what do you guys how do you feel about the uh, the the lyrical content of she's tight? I love um, turn the door, open the key. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a classic Bob Dylan device to sort of switch the you know shake your windows and rattle your walls. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, stomp your hands and clap your feet. Smoke, smoke smoke my eyelids and punch my cigarettes. So uh, when they say she's tight, are they? Uh, uh, what exactly do they mean by tight? I, I see. That's what I think. I think there's a whole different level to this. I'm just not quite sure what it is. I don't. I don't think it can be. It's just. Are you, are you guys kidding? <laughs> well, is tight just slang for um, attractive or well put together or something like that? Or she's virginal? <laughs> yeah. I oh yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Is it? That's uh, what I always got. I, I, I mean, is it, I, always, is it, I mean, the, the woman in the song is likely not. A virgin, but 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 being with her, um, her her features and her um, endowments might make it feel as if she is, and I think that is what the um, the adjective is referring to. So did I, it's did I, um. Did I say that was that too <laughs> euphemistic and unclear? No. Do you think it has a layered meaning? <laughs> nope. So you're saying it's. Basically the same message as like a virgin. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's about a dude called. I guess I'm like being too euphemistic. It was the whole. It's it horrible. It, as much as I don't want to say this, I can't think of a, a different way. It's it's a song about a booty call. If I if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't think you're mistaken. Which is right. why I don't think that this woman in the song is actually a virgin. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
But it's like, uh, yeah, she does her exercises. There you go. <laughs> I, how, how exactly is she ahead of her time? <laughs> <laughs> because it rhymes. Ken, your thoughts on She's Tight? A great single, and Poison covered this, didn't they? Um, no, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> this is one that a lot of non-cheap trick fans always seem to know. And uh, so I think it's been a good ambassador of the band. It's a fun track. There's some goofiness to it, but uh, it's it's really great. And I think that if they would have came out with this a couple of years later, it might have done better as a single for them. But then again, Poison wouldn't have their song, so. Where would you guys rank She's Tight um, as yeah, far I gotta, as... I got to say, um, bo- you know, both those two main singles I love, but I think I like I Want You, um, Ooh La La, Looking Out for Number One, Time Is Running, and Love's Gotta Hold On Me More. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, if you're asking the 1982 me, She's Tight is the greatest thing I heard that at that point in time. <laughs> Now, and, and certainly, you know, your love's got a hold on me. We have all probably we haven't seen live in the forty some odd times that we've seen them. <laughs> uh, we have, you know, it's not on the first side that we listen to a hundred billion times. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it, the, it still has fresher legs for us than she's tight. So I will make apologies to she's tight for that, which isn't its fault. You know, I mean, and I remember seeing that on MTV back in the day before I you know, rediscovered them, um, later on, but it's, it's a, it's a great song, but I, but yeah, but I definitely get more, have more fun listening to some of those other ones. Yeah. I, I, she's tight is uh, baby loves the rock of this record for me. So yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I I like the song still. And I, 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 usually I cringe at these kind of, uh, song lyric wise but it's just so ridiculously over the top that i find it amusing oh yeah i mean yeah i mean but that's that's a lot with rick trying to give you you know depth no but i think that's a lot with rick's stuff is it's just so blatantly over the top yeah whereas kiss i'm gonna make a diss on kiss and everybody's gonna get all mad but it's pretty much what's going on upstairs is what they're talking about i mean it's not (laughs) There's no other thought except for, yeah, Christine 16. You know, I'll that's ex- you, I'll meet you, greet you in the ladies' room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rick, Rick, Neil, Rick, Rick Nielsen's tongue is always, is always firmly in his cheek, and Gene Simmons, we all know where his tongue is. <laughs> well, well said, my friend. <laughs> or at least where he says it is. <laughs> Well, the, his yeah. tug is always flapping in the breeze. You know, it's it's, it's the opposite of in his cheek. How so. could have gotten anywhere he says it is when, when it's so often flapping in the breeze? <laughs> uh, very good. Well, and it's, yeah. I mean, of course, we all know it's also a transplanted cow's tongue, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I looked it up on the internet. <laughs> Knights and Satan service, so. Yeah, yeah, I love She's Tight, but it uh, it's a testament to how great this album is that it's actually in the bottom half for me, as if I would rank the songs. Um, if it was on the first Poison album, it would be the best song. <laughs> That's very true. Or many other albums. <laughs> if it was on any Poison album, it would be the best song. Yeah. All right, so uh, next song on side two, Time is Running. This would be a contender for my favorite song on the record. Absolutely love it. Uh, love this song. Just amazing. 
and and when you guys were talking about why this album is considered heavy metal or if it has something to do with the guitar i don't know what how you would describe the guitar on time is running but on the you know on those stops when he when he chokes and, and there's that like crinkly jingly uh ringing in the guitar like these overtones that it's got coming out of it the time is running out of control like oh yeah. So yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or? Yeah. See that's, this. It, that that's a beautiful sound right there. This song where it gets into me with like oh, I think this song would work on Next Position Please better. That it sounds more like that album, mm. production wise to me than on this album because it's kind of like you know it's like punching you in the except for if you want my love it's all like Rah! and then you get to Time Is Running which is a lot more subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, the bridge, the bridge is very next position, pleasey. I'd say. Yeah, th- th- this is a this is one of those songs that has one of those unbelievable Rick Nielsen bridges that just blow my mind. You know. Yeah. yeah. Like borderline would be another one, uh, it, and 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 I think. Is borderline? Yeah. It 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 all comes down to, with a lot of those bridges, especially that Rick writes. I think it comes down to just how great Robin Zander is, and so Rick Nielsen will write this bridge. Just keep goes up and up and up mm-hmm. and and he knows <laughs> and he, he can write it, it because robin could sing it, it yeah. yeah it's yeah i think it's that's an interesting point on the bridges it's like there's so many songs that it's like yeah this is a good song for cheap trick and then the bridge comes in and you're like what the hell holy yeah, crap yeah, yeah that's unreal like right. just makes the song yep I should have waited for this segue to talk about the little sister bridge. <laughs> <laughs> he can cut it out and paste it here. <laughs> yeah, would you do that for me, Beach? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ken, what do you think of Time is Running? Uh, great song. Um, I love the break where it just comes down to um, where the drums kind of break in by themselves and yeah. Robin sings over it. Love that part. I think it's a, it's a really good song.
so yeah you're right uh time is running doesn't have any of the elements of of what would make some people think one-on-one is cheap tricks heavy metal album definitely time is running doesn't fit into that um nor does the next song no (laughs) and the next song which is basically are we really going to discuss this one yeah we're going to say this is the worst song on the record uh third single off the record yeah. I don't think there were three. I, there was a yeah, no, it was a, no single. it was a single. And Maybe there was a 12-inch, like, extended yeah. Yeah, dance mix. mix. Which, <laughs> yeah. which, give me give me more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear this part stretched out. No, I want to hear that part stretched out. <laughs> yeah, I, this is another... The, this is the continuation, the high piece, priest of rhythmic noise, I kind of think, where we have to have these robot songs, like this and I Won't Be Man. Like we got to have these kind of, like, weird new wave things that are happening. Yeah. Uh, and 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 while I like <laughs> well, I, and I like my priest of rhythmic noise and that whole, all that kind of stuff from that, but this one's just not not very good. No, and I want be man is even better than this. Yeah, definitely. I like see, but I like I want be man, but yes, it is. But it, we could have made this a ten song record. Uh, yeah, by chopping that song out, it doesn't need to be there, and it doesn't fit. Uh, no, and it, it really interrupts the flow. I, I, I mean, imagine love's got a hold on me coming a, after time is running. A, yeah, you'd have a string from of eight saw eight perfect songs. Practically, yeah, yeah. Without Saturday at midnight, there. Yeah, and it seem it seems almost perfect for love's got a hold on me to come after time is running, and yet yep. <laughs> and yet it doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> You have, to like, gouge, you have to gouge a, a, a groove in your record that skips from one to the next for the yeah, next listen to it. I'm not quite sure if Saturday at Midnight is someone at the label saying, hey, it could be a hit. This is a dancey thing or something. But mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a... One of, those, one of those Simpsons board meeting scenes. Well, and considering... <laughs> and, and like if I could recall any of the songs that got cut off this record to put somewhere else, like there's a lot that they could have done instead of that song. Well, look right. at look at the B side to "She's Tight." All I really want to do. I mean, put that oh, yeah. song, put yeah. that song here. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, it would be mind blowing. So. That, that, we should talk about that song while we're here. Yeah, well, that, we will. That, that, that would be my song. That, that song could have should have been the right. A side of "She's Tight." Yeah, I like I like it more than "She's Tight" personally. It'd be my favorite song on the record. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. song. And yeah. so picture picture it goes, time is running, all I really want to do, love's got a hold of me. Yeah. You know, it would be, you know, be, wow. make quite a difference. Wow. You just blew my mind, Beach. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Seriously, imagine, imagine that record.
yeah, and, and not only was that the B-side on She's Type, but it's also in the box set, so pretty much everyone has heard that song. And um, I, One of my favorite Cheap Trick songs. Yeah, it's a, do, we, do we want to talk about it now? Should we just do it now? Or Yeah, sure. All right. I mean, it's basically a pop-punk song, and um, it's, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's everything I love about Cheap Trick. I, just, I could sing that song 24 hours a day. The pulse of it is fantastic. From the, ah, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. It's just like chugs right along. It's got that bunny just driving the bus to it that you know all yeah. the West Cheap songs have. Just just plowing through. It's, it's, yeah. We uh, it, when when I was way back when I was in a band when this came out we were playing in Appleton, Wisconsin in some basement uh, cof- basement of a coffee shop, and I was singing this song and just. There was a girl standing there. She overheard me and was like, "Oh, really?" And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, no, cheap trick." And I just kept going. So, <laughs> you almost got you a date, huh? Well, I was, I was, I was uh, long into dating my wife, so mm, you know okay. that was a a, a a misconnection or whatever they call those in the paper. <laughs> All right, so, so yeah. we've, we've already mentioned um, the next song on the record a few times. Um, Love's got a hold on me, which interesting enough was one of the earliest cheap trick songs i have a couple of different live recordings of them doing the song like mm. back to 1975 we hope you like this one but uh, thanks a lot sorry i kept playing and we want to play a few minutes more and don't forget about the t-shirts over here and we're called cheap trick and we'll see you later
I swear I read at some point that this song back then was called Number One, but I've never mm. been able to find where I read that to um, verify it. It was yeah, it's just that. something like I read in the 90s or something that entered my brain, but I don't know if it's true. Um, that 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 it was called Number One back then, but anyways, great, great. It's gr- it was great in '75. It's great on One on One. It's yeah, obviously. Yeah, this is another one that I would think would fit nicely on Next Position, please. But uh, again, with my connection between the records, uh, yeah, I like the song a lot. I don't have much else to say about it. So I wouldn't say it's my favorite on the record, but my iTunes says I rated it four stars. So it's it's, it's got to be good. <laughs> it's, I, I like the driving beat to it and the attitude of the music. All right, so the I mean, so next up is uh, what to me sounds like an all shook up reject. Um, definitely, what you could put it on all shook up, and it would fit in. It would fit perfectly, pretty much. Definitely. I want be man. Part two of high priest yeah. rhythm noise or whatever, or, uh, go for the throat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and this is another uh, one. This is another one with an amazing bridge that makes the song. You know, the I want to live in think, your body part. Yeah. Yeah. The coda. Yeah, coda. Yeah, coda. Yeah. Because this 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 is brings us around to the sound sound bite that Side Dish sent me. My brother Adam uh, wanted wanted it to be known that that he thinks the coda from "I Want Be Man" is quote the most overlooked genius moment of the album and maybe career. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it, I might say the same thing for the bridge of Little Sister, but um, I, and 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 then as as I read that, I thought to myself, yes that is a really great part of that song but is it such a great part or is it because it's coming at the end of that song that's what i was gonna say i think yeah. it's more i think it's more i think it's it uh seems so great yeah because of the context of the song that it's in through, i want to be man yeah and, and and robots voice sound effects and it's almost like yeah. you're you're lucky even to hear it because why didn't you turn the song off before it got there <laughs> you know <laughs> I like it. Come on, <laughs> you made your way through the swamp. Yeah, and, and here's the here's the hidden hidden paradise valley at the end. Yeah. Now I was I, I I didn't get to see the and dream, think, and I think that's a I think that's a valid device to use for a song if you got a sweet part, you know. Yeah. Like, okay, Ken, what do you think of "I Want Be Man"? Now, if people were having a hard time with Saturday at Midnight, this is where you're on a whole nother train. You're not you're not just leaving what the band's wheelhouse you're stepping into something very bizarre here um they do a lot of weird stuff in this song that uh 
seems like that some of the ideas in this song could have been a couple different other songs, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. It seems like Rick threw so many things into the kitchen sink and just made a mess. I don't know if he made a great song. And um, anytime that I hear the guys' voices distorted, you know, it's kind of bizarre for me because I think they have such great voices. So yeah, we've got yeah. one. We've got one song left on the on the album, um, four letter word, which. Um, probably it's probably a knockdown drag out fight between this and saturday at midnight to be my least yeah. favorite on the album you know this is it's like a whole song because i'm looking and it's three and a half minutes or whatever but it sounds like an outro like it's yeah. just like it's not really a song it's just something that's ending the album it always i i always think it reminds me of the stroke by billy squire which yeah. i also yeah. hate So yeah, it's just there's not really much redeeming quality to the song. I wouldn't say. Besides, yeah, there's no... it's Robin Zander singing, so I guess that's something. <laughs> but... There's that weird guitar thing going through the verse. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't it doesn't have much of a melody or a hook. You know. No, it's just it and just that's, like that's kind of why we're here. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's 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 their that's their strong suit. I mean, in addition to being just a, a great playing band. And having a great sound and that singer, but when you you know it's the song, the draw of the songs are those hooks. But at least it's the last song on the album instead of being stuck between "Time Is Running" and "Love's Got a Hold on Me," <laughs> you know. So in that sense, it's better than Saturday Night <laughs> yeah. because it's not as obtrusive. Because where it is on the album is more appropriate, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> it's its quality lies in its unobtrusiveness, in album order wise. <laughs> Yeah, to me, this song always seemed like it was never complete. It seems like an unfinished song to me. But, you know, so if you look back at the album, you've got it's Side gone. 1. Side 1 is it's all spectacular. Perfect. Side 1, all spectacular. Side 2, three amazing songs. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. From I mean, how many albums can t- can you say that about? <laughs> you know, How many albums have one great song on it? Yeah, so, you know, there are a couple of clunkers here on the second side, but... You know the 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 eight amazing songs on the record obviously more than make up for four letter word. Absolutely. Yeah. But like we said, they just, all all they really want obviously should have been on the record, and you know they could have "Don't Steal My Girlfriend" would have been great on here. Um, and we were talking about "Don't Make Our Love a Crime," which supposedly they recorded for this or at least demoed or had it in their arsenal. Right. Um, Ghost Town, uh, supposedly Ghost Town was demoed around this time, but that would have been, I think, before Diane Warren stuck her nose in there, and so I'm not yeah, sure think, what that think, song was like at that point. But um, I think Ghost Town was 81 sometime, right. the demo. And it says in the book that Get Ready was, they had Get Ready 
when they made one on one which ended up being a, the b-side of the spring break single and then they cannibalized that for i think rock all night on standing on the edge they used a lot of it for that and yeah we talked about twisted heart earlier which um uh. is on the box set I think the version on the box said it sounds like it was next position please recording, but it was supposedly was also a one. They had it during when they were making one on one, and supposedly they had I can't take it when they were making one on one, which Pete Comita now claims he wrote and yeah. Robin stole it. Which you know, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I don't know either. Like if you wrote that song and you wrote Reach Out. So you wrote two. There should be three. Well, I like the one song. That Fool Yourself. Fool, Fool yourself. yourself is great, but yeah. Bunny's like, we hated that song, but I was like, dude, it's better than four-letter word Saturday at Midnight and I Want the Man. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I don't know. Where are the rest of his... I don't know if that dude's just a, like, what's his deal? If he's just messed up or what? But if you can write... if. You wrote those three songs saying he wrote that song like, dude, you should have a great record somewhere. So, yeah, uh. yeah, yeah, very true. Um, yeah, I mean, he left Cheap Trick and then he didn't do much after that. Yeah, like USSA, which apparently recorded something, but it, like, I've tr- the only thing I've ever tracked down is those demos that uh, of uh, Reach Out and. Fool yourself, and there's two other on there. Did I give that to you, BJ? Yeah, I th- and I think there's some there's live USSA live on YouTube, or there was Is there? a couple okay. of songs, and I think Bob James was in USSA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure who else was in it, but and also um, we've we've all pretty much agreed on what are the two worst songs on the album, and those are the other two. Robin co-writes. Uh, he got a co-write on. Ooh la la la, and then he's also um, a co-writer on Saturday at Midnight and Four Letter Word, and then Love's Got a Hold on Me. I think Robin and Bunny both get a co-write on that, probably because it goes back to the to the early Early years of the band. But you know, the bulk of the album and you know all the best songs basically were all just written by Rick Nielsen by himself. Yeah, that's well. I mean, that seems to be the. The way it's you know it has gone through the whole career is that you know he's the he's the big idea guy for most of it and uh, you know guys add on as as they do so yeah yeah I mean it's always been Rick Nielsen's vision and he's always obviously been the driving force the creative driving force behind the band. Welcome back to our simulcast here on FM 99 and TV 33. Happy Halloween. Hey, uh, it's trick-or-treat time, so we have a cheap trick that's a real treat coming right up for you. Cheap Tricks lead guitar player Rick Nielsen. I caught him the other day in the back of the Hampton Coliseum, got a nice interview while Hart was playing, and it took our producer three days to edit it down to something we could show on the air. Some great material. I think you'll like it. Cheap Trick and the lead guitar player Rick Nielsen. Let's uh, see what he has to say. Hi, Arlo here. On 99 and 33, with one of the wildest guitar players in the entire rock and roll business, Rick Nielsen with Cheap Trick. I gotta ask you, I have been dying to meet you, first of all, and ask you about that five-neck guitar in the clip that we're gonna show a little bit later on, She's Tight. Uh-huh. Does that thing really weigh like a piano around your neck, or how, how much uh, does that weigh? I think it's sort of like a, like a Volkswagen around <laughs> your neck. How many... <laughs> how many... Um, 
next do you use on that? Do you use all five in that song? Uh-huh. I use all five. See this right here? One, ah, two, three, four. If you could zoom in, can you zoom in over? Our producer wanted to know who was modeling the stockings in that. Actually, I was kind of curious about that, too. That was rather effective. Yeah, she was rather effective. <laughs> she affected quite a few of us. Uh, actually, her name was... Uh, oh, she'll kill me because she watches your show. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, I can't think of her name. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. What is her name? Uh, McDonald. Jill McDonald. Hi, Jill. Sorry about that. I screwed up. I couldn't think of your name. Uh, what's your favorite song on the latest album, One on One? Well, uh, <laughs> one that's doing the best, like in Australia right now, uh, If You Want My Love, You Got It, went to number one. It was the only place it did. Uh, we were having fun with She's Tight. That goes over real good. And, uh, Song one on one's good. I, I, a song that never gets played on the radio. A song I like. It's about a man that wants to be a robot and a robot wants to be a man. It's called "I Want Be Man." Uh, I like that. Do you have Do you have a video of that one yet? No. The, you know, we did. We actually did three videos from the new album. We did one on one, but we haven't edited it yet. So when it gets out, you'll get a copy, I'm sure. Well, tonight's show was just killer. You guys did just blew them away. A good crowd tonight too. It's always been good around here. We've always done real well here and. Uh, Good rock and roll people around here. You guys are basically from the U.S., but the group I understand was uh, formed overseas. That's a cracker, cracker, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> More media hype. Well, that's what I had heard. That's why I wanted to ask you. That was that was on our bio in our first album. You know, we went in uh, to Epic Records when we first started out, and we went to the. They had their staff of writers and all this stuff, and they said, and "Now." Uh, well, Rick, where are you guys from? I said, well, I'm from Illinois. And they'd ask the bass player, where, where are you from? I'm from Illinois. They said, oh, come on, where are you really from? So we just started making up junk. And he believed it and printed it, and we put it on the first record. So said, you know, said we came from France or some garbage like that. I think it was Sweden. Is Bun really from South America? Uh, <laughs> he goes down there a couple times a year. That's, Peru, that's what I thought. Okay. Or someplace, I don't know. You He's have to a check his passport. Real world traveler, though. <laughs> no, he only likes those countries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed our discussion. Thanks, BJ, for hosting this uh, great album roundtable discussion about a great album. And we want to thank you guys for listening and uh, keep cheap tricking. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking.